Welcome to the Modern Hippie Podcast, where we'll be exploring all of my favorite boundary-pushing people and topics surrounding consciousness, psychedelics, mental performance, functional medicine, living in alignment, and so much more. I'm your host, Barrett Perlman, a former pro wakeboarder turned body worker, energy healer, and well, a modern hippie. And I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Modern Hippie Podcast. I am joined today by someone incredibly special to me. This is Matt Powell. He is a uh, liver of life. He is a men's health advocate. He is on his spiritual journey, an incredible wordsmith, which I hope that we'll get a taste of here today. Um, And Matt, you and I met on my trip in Peru in October. We were on the 10-day guided tour together uh, through Sacred Earth Journeys with um, Freddie Puma, Puma, the medicine man, and um, we had just incredible times together. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Barrett. Amazing. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, you were such a, a crucial part of my Peru tour um, because the first, I sort of kind of break it down until it was like two parts. Like the first half was the tour that you and I were on, which really prepped me to heal, to shed things that I had brought with me to start to deep dive into um, my relationship with relationships, which was something that I went there to work on. And, and you were just this incredible cosmic soul tribe member who supported me all along the way. And we did Machu Picchu together. And uh, for my listeners who don't know, I was on mushrooms. And so I was just like, Maddie, don't lose me. <laughs> and yeah, we uh, did it yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, tell, tell everyone about our Machu Picchu time. Oh, that was such a um, such a special day. First of all, like Machu Picchu was just it just blew all expectations. Hey, like I um, you know, you sort oh, of yeah. see postcards postcards and on the internet or whatever, but went like just driving up in the bus and going up those roads and, and through the clouds almost and then actually being there was just it was yeah, by far and away probably the, the coolest thing I've ever coolest mm-hmm. place I've been to, I would say. Yeah, it was just so amazing and um Obviously, uh, getting to share it with you was just so much fun. And, um, you know, we were running around like Indiana Jones there, just diving, you know, <laughs> going through the back uh, the back paths. And, um, you know, we obviously found that little um, little spot to have a little cheeky five-minute meditation, uh, completely private, which was just really special. Unbelievable. And when I tr- have meditated since, I sort of – recall that with you up there on the on the mountain and sort of um try and tap into that um yeah yeah, it was was really special it was really special um and especially that spot where we were like kind of at the end of our little tour group and you're like barrett over here and we just like ducked off on this one level that kind of overlooked most of machu picchu and for whatever reason nobody came by and it got really silent and you could hear the birds chirping and um, it was just had like this little bit of like fog up in the upper clouds that kind of came through. So it wasn't terribly sunny. It was just still, but the energy was so intense. 
and you and I sat there for quite a few minutes in silence, just soaking it all in. And that was probably one of my favorite moments of the entire trip. So De- definitely, definitely. And, and, um, remember when Puma got us all together and we all sort of, uh, joined arms and linked arms as, as a, as a group hug there at the end there. And he said that beautiful little sort of, um, uh, you know, speech, just talking about sort of the crystal condor and opening the heart chakra. Mm. And that was one of the highlights for me. And I really feel, feel that that is, that was a, a catalyst for me. And then it's happened since there over the last few months. Um, I just spent a really nice, wholesome, nourishing uh, Christmas with the fam, uh, five mm. days with my parents, which can often be, you know, really uh, intense spiritual work, you know, sort of um, getting triggered by mom and dad or whatever. But I just had a really nice time with them and I was really conscious and really present. And I was reflecting about that time in Peru. I was like, oh, wow, you know, maybe that did, have, you know, it was a, it had an impact on me and, and how I was relating with my, with my parents, um, mm. who, like I said, you know, often can be a, a catalyst for, to, to, for, you know, parents are hilarious, but just uh, to sure. trigger me in, in years previous where, where we just had a really nice time together. So, yeah. Mm, that's beautiful to hear. Yeah. Parents are definitely triggering. I know my mom, especially, uh, has been my biggest trigger. Um, but we're working, I've worked through it now. She's still, she's still doing her, but I've worked through it. And, uh, I'm interested to hear what, what inspired you to go to Peru? What was your journey to get there? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was actually a recommendation um, from a from a dear friend slash mentor of mine. Um, I love those sorts of of countries. I'd spent time in Asia, um, Bali, Vietnam, and in particular India. Um, I really mm-hmm. loved India, and I was contemplating going back to that part of the world. Um, I've been in Nepal. I've been just been lucky to travel over the last ten years, um, and then, yeah. So you know, as you do, you sort of think, oh, you know, where would I love to go this year, or, or you know, my next sort of uh, trip. And um, Peru came up on, kept coming up on the on my radar and in conversations, and then. Um, I was actually, I, I was listening to, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Freddie Silva, who's on, mm-hmm. on, he's on the internet. He's like a sort of um, alternative history expert. And he talks about pyramids and crop Ooh. circles and energies and lots of awesome stuff. But he's also just really entertaining and charismatic. And I love listening to him. Anyway, um, he also goes on the Sacred Earth journey tours to um, ancient Egypt. And so I jumped mm-hmm. online and was looking at, yeah, just looking at his work and his his offerings. And then I saw Peru pop up as well on the website. And then um yeah, you know, as as uh ended up clicking up clicking on Peru and it looked amazing and really resonated. So I I had I hadn't been to to South America and um yeah, that's kind of uh the story behind it. Mm, wonderful. What did you think of South America? What's your takeaway? Oh, it was amazing. I, I loved it. Hey, I um yeah, I kind of wish that um, I had a, maybe a one-way ticket or sort of, uh, you know, had sort of explored it for, for three, four, five, six months, you know, longer. Mm. Um, sure. uh, maybe maybe next time or another time later in life. But, uh, yeah, just it was just such a uh, – just the energy in Peru was just really special mm. and everyone was really friendly. Um, 
you know, when you're just walking around the place and just the energy feels really uh, special. Um, for me, I, I really resonated with the mountains. Um, I live along the, the beautiful beaches here in Australia and it's a amazing part of the world and I love the ocean. But there's also similarly uh, that, that mountain energy is, is, is equally magnificent. And I just remember walking through some of those valleys that we were in, uh, were in Urumbamba, uh, yeah, just some of those amazing sort of views and mountainscapes and just being humbled by, by that mountain energy. I really resonated with them. So yeah, really special part of the world. Hey. Oh my God. The, you're absolutely right. The energy there is so incredible and so, so grounding. And while you're there, you just feel like you're tapped into tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years of, of practice and things that we don't even know that they've tried to carry the um, the stories of to this era, but haven't always all quite made it to twenty twenty three. So yeah, and you um, have been on your healing journey quite a bit. We we talked a bit about this in Peru, and what um, what sparked you to get into deep diving into your own personal work. Yeah, I I would suggest now knowing what I know that it's perhaps been many lifetimes of work and that I've mm. awakened and remembered, you know, the purpose to this life uh, where we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Mm. I think that, that might be Ram Das quote, I can't recall that one, but yeah, I really resonate with that. You know, we are on the spiritual journeys this is the curriculum this third dimension life which is amazing and you know the dualities and the pain and the suffering and the joy and the happiness and everything in between is just part of this curriculum and um it's about learning and growing and gaining experiences um but yeah for me it started i think from a young kid to be honest it was always there um and i always enjoyed listening to some stories and you know, just even sort of, uh, you know, when you sort of are introduced to things like Jesus as a young, younger kid. And, you know, I grew up in a pretty secular, chilled out environment, but it's just like, wow, like, these are pretty cool stories and what's going on here and these kind of mystical sort of stories. And then um, when I was in my earlier 20s, I was fortunate enough to go, as I mentioned, traveling to parts of Asia in particular, um, and then eventually India and um yeah, that was really transformative. Uh, it was, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, akin to, I suppose, a bit of a psychedelic experience, sort of being walking around the streets of, of India and some of these countries and just really questioning ways of life back home in Australia. And, you know, I love my life here in Australia, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a certain way of life, but it's not the be all and end all. It's, um, mm. you know, the whole kind of um, path of, you know, going to school and studying and, you know, maybe getting a degree and getting a job and getting a mortgage and all that, you know, the checklist of the matrix um, might be great for you if that's what you really want. But for me, I just realized like, oh, there's so many amazing ways to live life. Um, and there's no gold medal. There's no first place. It's all just experience. <laughs> hmm. That's really well said. There is no first place in this game of life. It's just really you 
for yourself here experiencing the reality that you create for yourself. And I love that you use that word uh, curriculum. That's um, recently come on my radar from Azria Becker, who wrote the book Becoming with her husband, Benjamin Becker. And uh, it really does um, take that look at how nothing in this life is a mistake, how everything is, uh, all your failures are feedback, right? And everything that happens is just a lesson to be learned. And, you know, by calling it curriculum, it, it really implies that you're showing up and you're doing the work around those lessons and you're sitting with them and you're, you're paying attention to them as they happen. And um, for me personally, that's really helped me to reframe the fucked up shit that happens from time to time as, uh, and I'm starting to learn from it quicker, which I tend to have a really thick skull. So like you got to teach me things at least three, four times, especially the hard lessons. Like I like to hit my head quite a lot and then figure it out, but I'm, I'm starting to get those lessons faster and faster now by, by really paying attention to the curriculum. And, um, yeah, what totally, do you do? totally resonate, totally resonate mm-hmm. with that. And, um, you know, I, I, I uh, picked it up somewhere along the journey, but the lessons will keep reappearing in your life until you actually learn from them or what mm. the universe is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, it might take a year or a couple of years later, but it's going to keep reappearing until you you outgrow what it's meant to teach you, um, which I think is really powerful. And I was just reading yesterday the the metaphor of um, the lotus flower and um a really beautiful just sentence or phrase is to sit in the mud and mm. a lotus a lotus grows in the mud through water and then it turns into a flower eventually it's kind of this expansion of consciousness type analogy but the beginning of it is the sitting in the mud part and it's it's also just a sitting part it's not fighting it's not wrestling <laughs> in the mud it's just you know, I, I visualize Buddha just sitting there with his with his legs crossed and that sort of um, you know, sort of a smile or smirk on his face, just sitting in the mud. You know, whatever life's throwing at him, and you just sort of accept it and have a you know a little bit of a cheeky giggle and and, and go through the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that particular analogy because I have um one of my best friends, like my sister, her name's Michelle. And she just recently um, had a house fire in her house and she got second and third degree burns all over her hands. And, um, you know, she was, she was doing something to remove um, the karmic trauma on her family of uh, fires, like all all through her maternity, maternal line. um, They've had really intense problems with house fires, with uh, significant others dying in house fires or them dying in fire. And so she wanted to remove this from her line and was doing candle work around it, caught her house on fire, um, put it out actually, and but kind of sacrificed her hands in the meantime. And she's been sitting with um, the beauty of A, that being removed, it's done now. And that was all that she had to suffer for it. But she's been looking at her hands like the lotus flower because um, all of the skin had to be essentially removed from them. And that's, I guess, how lotus flowers blossom. They have this outer film on them and then it has to come off in order to become the beautiful flower. And uh, the symbology and the the lesson, the curriculum she's finding and what happened is that she's now finally removed those, uh, that outer skin to fully blossom as that lotus flower. And I think that's a great example of looking at the fucked up shit in our lives as curriculum. 
and you know this this pretty awful thing that happened. I mean, she's uh, two weeks out from it having happened, and she's going to have surgery actually next week now on one of her hands and have to be in the hospital for another uh, week or two. Um, but she's able to step back and go, no, this is actually a really beautiful thing that's happening, and I'm I'm she's doing her best to suffer with a smile on her face through it, and uh, and learn and deeply learn. Um, what are, what's some of the curriculum that's been showing up for you lately? Yeah, it's a powerful story. Thanks for sharing. It sounds, um, reminds me of the Phoenix sort of, uh, literally there mm. with the fire mm-hmm. re-arising, resurrecting. Yeah. Yeah. Curriculum for me, um, oh, straight up, you know, to be, to be vulnerable and open and honest with you, um, Probably just a sense of uh, deep independence, but it's almost border. It almost borders sometimes on loneliness for me. You know, um, uh, long, interesting journey over the last couple of years. Absolutely no regrets, but I've just really shifted from friendships and relationships. And as I get older and maybe a little bit wiser, and my my circle gets smaller and smaller, and it gets it's sort of the stage now where I you know have probably two or three really beautiful friends. Um, but my family has also moved down the coast. So, you know, sometimes I, um, yeah, it's sort of just, just a craving to sort of be in the, in the tribe, you know, with friends and family. Mm. And uh, there's, I, 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 uh, I think it was a word. It's my, it might've been called like a avatar depression or something, a bit of a phrase or something like that, but, you know, mm. sort of just, um, people going on and watching avatar and then kind of being like, Oh man, I wish I was, you know, <laughs> living like, uh, uh, the, the, the Navi people or whatever they were called, you know, in these tribes. And, um, I kind of wish that as well. Sometimes, you know, being a bit of a hunter gatherer and out there with my brothers and, um, you know, we're stuck in this kind of, or I'm stuck in this, in this, you know, sort of modern world in my apartment and so on and so forth. And, um, I would say, being alone but not lonely but still you know i'm a human being and i wrestle with that and sometimes i'd love to share the journey with a beloved and have a family one day you know i'm sure i'll get there but it's just um you know you mentioned what's the um curriculum for me at the minute and it's just sitting being patient and um you know i guess just raising my vibration and frequency and being the best most open loving personal uh, version of myself and then just sort of um you know the people the right people will stick when uh when they come and and hang around and you know i've met a lot of beautiful people over the last 12 18 months like yourself as well so mm. um that's what i'm wrestling with <laughs> oh yeah I, I totally feel you on that it's like once you raise your frequency the world can become a very lonely place until that cosmic tribe as i'm calling it starts to stick um <clears throat> i've been my curriculum lately has been uh in a similar area where, um, you know, when I was a pro wakeboarder, I loved to just date other people who like shred. And, um, so wakeboarders, BMXers, you know, whatever, like as long as you're, this is not like as long as you were good at your sport, but I was good at my sport. And so we tended to flock together and that was like who I was really attracted to. And now where I'm at, uh, I'm much spiritually deeper. I'm much more emotionally intelligent and I really do need a partner who can, can match me at that level. 
And um, the other day, like about a month ago, I was really down about um, someone I was starting to see a little bit who wasn't, didn't work out. And then I kind of prayed to the universe, you know, just send me someone, someone I could just, someone I can surf with, come on. And um, met someone in the water the next day who was super hot, super young, super ripped. And I was like, cool. This is exactly what I asked for. I was like, I know this, he doesn't seem that enlightened. Yeah. So I, I kind of follow that a little bit and, you know, he was, he was too young for me. Uh, he was probably too hot for me as well. And like the, just, there were things that like didn't quite line up and I just, I wanted and needed a companion at that moment so badly that I really stumbled on failed this test from the universe and it very promptly kicked me in the ass because it very quickly turned out that he had a girlfriend who he had just then cheated on with me. And I was like, fuck, like, that's not what I wanted to do. That's not what new Barrett does. Like old Barrett, old Barrett habits. I, you know, I, I hate to say I did that a lot and didn't give a shit, but I, I kind of did that a lot and didn't give a shit, but like new Barrett really cares. And, um, the person I am now believes that like the, you know, girls don't need to be treated that way. And then to watch him turn around and try to tell her that she was crazy because she started messaging me on Instagram. It was like super intense, super fast. And I was like, dude, how does she know that you were at my house? She's got your GPS location. She can see my place of business. Like this is, she is missing her calling, working for the CIA. And I actually have a lot of respect for that. And like, you're telling her now that she's crazy and you're going to create and perpetuate this mental breakdown and this girl who doesn't deserve it because she her intuition's telling her one thing and she's right. And um, so I did end up finally, you know, talking to her and telling her what happened. And um, but I would, then I was just like, man, I like here it was, a perfect test from the universe. Like, okay, what are the boundaries I have set in place? They must be over 30. They must be spiritually deep. They must, you know, meet certain checkpoints um just for 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 sanity for adultness for maturity and he didn't he didn't meet pretty much all of them (laughs) and i just (laughs) fuck got that swift kick i mean i had to call in my psychic to do like a freezer spell to make sure that he would just leave me the fuck alone like not come near me um i had to get my my own energy healers to like get the gunk off of me from this whole situation and um that was a really shitty curriculum that I was like, damn, I was way past this. And mm-hmm. now we're here and it didn't necessarily feel like a setback, but it was a beautiful checkpoint that got me back to, okay, you know what? I Dating's not working and I need to take a step back and I need to regroup. And, you know, this this failed curriculum happened because I wasn't happy. I wasn't whole before I tried to meet someone else and I was looking for someone to help put a patch on my loneliness and nope, 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 nope. Let's take it back. So yeah, I hear you. And, um, what do you do to, for your mental health? Yeah. I resonate with that story and dating. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a jungle out there. That's for sure. Hey, and, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, yeah, what I do for my mental health, um, just the, I guess, the common checklist, but I, I suppose I'm pretty lucky and it just becomes 
habit and for me a lot of it is in the physical world um or the body you know I just love mm. being fit and healthy you know it's not necessarily about going to the gym and lifting weights although I do enjoy that kind of um that yang workout and sweating and, and throwing weights around but you know getting fresh air and I love spending time outdoors and in the sun and getting like I said earlier I, I live on the beach here so I've got no excuses a perfect morning for me is just getting up and going for for a, a pretty good run and jumping in the ocean and you know sitting sitting in the sun for half an hour with a coffee and you know that's mm. probably the the best antidepressant you know out there ever I reckon it's just sitting in the sun and just um like I said jumping in the ocean for me it's pretty simple um but yeah you know I just try and eat relatively healthy without being you know a full-on uh monk about it or anything like that I love you know <laughs> chocolates and things like that and um yeah just um recently just trying to keep busy in terms of sort of getting out of my my mind you know I think a a, a um a common what's the word I'm looking for a uh a common sort of uh, ailment that a lot of people fall into is just getting caught up in the mind you know when you're when you're at home or you're going doom scrolling and you just get caught up in that loop <laughs> of negative thoughts and in the mind where when I'm busy and, and doing things you know I'm I, I tend to have uh tends to be in a good headspace so look I'm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. fortunate I do have um uh you know I'm in a good headspace so um yeah I, that's kind of my answer Hmm. Well, something you and I have been discussing a little bit is particularly men's mental health. And I know you've shared with me that you're in men's groups or a men's group. Um, and what is, what does that mean? What is a men's group? So, um, it's probably just worth breaking down, um, kind of, uh, the, a little bit of the story behind, you know, uh, men's, in general, kind of the situation at the moment that men face, uh, mm. you know, especially across, uh, the Western world. So, um, and it's something that I'm, yeah, I'm passionate about and it led to my journey into uh, joining a, a men's men's group. Uh, so, so yeah, look at, um, for tens of thousands of years, men and women, you know, we lived in these tribal type communities and there were these sacred spaces. There were, you know, there was the tribal space for sure around the fires and communal spaces, but then there was also a time for men's business as it was called and also women's business. And the women would go and possibly raise, you know, raise the children and do what they had to do during the day and go down to the Creek and gather things and build things and knit and sing and, and all those beautiful things. And the men would go off and hunt and, you know, maybe leave, leave camp for a few days and all those sorts of things. And, we would live in these tribal communities of, you know, maybe a hundred or 150 people. And there would be many different roles as well. Um, and I was talking with my, with my roommate about this yesterday because, you know, now we're in these strange nuclear type arrangements, these small families or even just a couple dynamic. And, mm. you know, to expect one person to be able to do all of those things that the tribe previously did is just impossible and unfair. You know, you're not going to get that nourishment that, that perhaps that uh, that masculine, energetic nourishment of hanging with your other your brothers from your from your partner, from your girlfriend, and vice versa. It's just not going to happen. You need that sacred time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not I'm not talking about going to the pub and drinking beers at all. 
it's much, much deeper and much more profound than that. Um, and there's a beautiful um, author and pioneer of the men's movement. His name's Robert Bly. He wrote the book, I and John, but uh, he describes it as it's almost this cellular exchange when men hang out with each other on, on, on a deep sort of conscious level. And, it, and our bodies feed off it. You know, our cells, our mm. DNA actually feed off that energy when we hang out with other brothers. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how I feel when I spend time in those, in those circles and in the, the you know, that special time with, with my brothers is uh, it's nourishing and it's healing. And it's, you know, it's sometimes it is often just joyful and, and uh, you know, um, playful. Um, but other times as well, it, it is, as I said, sort of healing and so on. But yeah, to get back to the, um, the history behind it, you know, since the industrial revolution over the last couple hundred years, essentially, men and women have, you know, also had their own, um, their own journey as well. But, um, you know, to focus on men, it's, they've largely been removed from these tribes, you know, these, the village, the farms, and we moved into factories and we moved into the cities, mm. you know, this mass migration into cities across the, across the developed world. And that was kind of the birth of this epidemic of, you know, loneliness and a individualization and, you know, these apartment buildings were erected and, you know, you kind of, um, these inner city sort of ghettos almost where it's four walls and alleys and it's no longer this, uh, community. Um, and it's also the separation there of, men and their sons as they go off to work you know previously um sons would often or at a certain age maybe when they were 13 or 14 or 15 would maybe go off with their fathers to the farms or to work or the guilds or whatever they were for for a good couple hundred years many centuries and that no longer happens you know now we have public education and um so there's so many you know so much to talk about so much behind it but essentially what it has led to is you know the the state of modern masculinity today. And without going into all the statistics, I think most people are probably pretty aware of it, but you know, there's the actual statistics in terms of domestic violence and suicide and self-harm and physical abuse and alcohol addiction and pornography addiction and all those sorts of things. And then there's also a lack of meaning and crisis and, and, and loneliness. And that leads to things like domestic violence and alcoholism and uh suicide and so on so yeah you know it's um i've been uh checking out this space for a few years and i really would say it's uh it's reached a crisis point where if nothing is going to be done about it then things are only going to get worse and that it needs to change um so yeah i guess we can talk about how some things that i've done to you know, that can, people, men can implement in their lives uh, to, to, to help if they need help, you know. So, yeah, one of them was was joining a men's group. Um, and that was, uh, it, it naturally came to an end. It lasted for 12 months. The, uh, the, the mm. host actually had a child with his partner. So it sort of wrapped up beautifully. But, um, yeah, it was just, um, you know, I really encourage any men out there who maybe are sort of um, uh, looking for some purpose or direction or just a sense of brotherhood. Um, to join, there's a lot of beautiful conscious men's groups out there. A lot of them are online or, you know, yoga studios or various communities out there. And, you know, we would just get together for, for a week online actually like this. And then we caught together 
we caught up together uh, physically a couple of times throughout the year. But um, cool. yeah, it was just a space once a week where we would catch up for an hour and just go around in the circle and just share, you know, whatever was coming up during the week. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful practice. I mm. hope I didn't ramble on, but yeah. No, I love your rambling. <laughs> it's not a ramble at all. I think it's a, a really beautiful share. And um, yeah, yeah, you make a really great point about that having gone away. And um, there's a lot of great, great leaders I've heard that um, expressed having been to some of these men's groups like uh, Lewis Howes with the School of Greatness is just, um, it's been a long time mentor kind of of mine. And, um, you know, I've gotten to meet him a few times, but his work that he's done on, um, removing his own mask of masculinity and, um, seeking out these other spaces with, with men has, um, been really profound and something as a woman I can never fully experience. Um, I have been privy usually to find myself the only woman in a room full of men quite often, but it's just the fact that I'm there, the entire dynamic has changed. And, um, yeah, I think it's really powerful that, uh, that you're doing that. I commend you for that. And, um, they're sharing the message because I think, you know, especially I liked what you said, would you call it the doom scroll (laughs) on scrolling the social media feed, uh, is a perfect, perfect name for it. Um, it really just reinforces the idea that you're you're trying to live someone else's life when you look at all that stuff and you're not putting a phone away and paying attention to what's right in front of you because often what's right in front of you will keep you grounded in the present moment and in the present moment usually things are pretty fine and um yeah i would also like to encourage men to to get out there and do that and i sort of have hopes that by this this mass uptick in women who are doing the deep dive into their own emotional health and spiritual health, that they're, they're bringing the men in their lives along with them. Um, and I also seem to see a lot of men who uh, find sobriety finding themselves in that space as well of like really doing the deep work. And um, I actually recently went to an AA meeting with a friend when he received his six-year chip. And I was delighted to sit in the room and hear them kind of go around what there was a theme word for the day and everyone would kind of say something that was going on with them about that day. And I was like, shit, should I just keep coming back? Like this circle's really powerful. (laughs) And um, yeah, I think any, I mean, for women as well, those circles are powerful. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I, um, I remember when I first joined my, my men's group and, you know, I didn't really know what to expect and I was sitting there and, um, it was time for one, one of the brothers to share. And he just, uh, he just started tearing up and expressing a deep love for his, his, his girlfriend at the time. And, and then, um, Mm. he was, uh, sharing and expressing how he was, you know, contemplating, proposing to marry her and he's just really sort of nervous and vulnerable but I was just like just sitting there just blown away like holy shit like this guy this this is amazing you know this guy's like tearing up in front of in front of us and he's just so raw and beautiful and sort of um you know he's obviously going through this amazing sort of uh roller coaster of emotions and sort of um but just that his ability to express it in such a deep and powerful manner and I was like 
Mm. Oh my gosh, this is just you know his level or his ability to express himself and just be vulnerable. Um, and this was like, you know, like I said, one of the first or second uh, meetings that I was sort of sitting in and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, you know, like, um, and then I, what I realized or, or discovered is that, you know, as the months progressed, my ability to express myself deepened and mm. perhaps, you know, like, when, for example, when we were in Peru and when I meet people um, and some people mention it but like i i believe that i have an ability to go and connect with someone maybe on a slightly deeper level level quicker because mm-hmm. of sure that you do. thank you but, but yeah it's 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 look it's, it's a skill you know the point is like uh, it's a skill you can practice you know and you can learn um and mm-hmm. being in these sacred spaces and it might just be you know i know that there are some groups some men's groups where it's just a few friends catch up and go for a swim at, at six thirty in the morning, you know, once a week or once a month or something like that. It doesn't have to be anything too formal. Um, but yeah, my point is that um, as the time progressed and for some men, it might take months. They just actually sit there and they don't say anything, you know, they're just getting comfortable in that space. You know, everyone's on their own journey. Um, but it's mm. just that, you know, that for me, it was this ability to express myself and, you know, that gets into sort of th- throat, chakra type sort of um work and just an ability to express myself and connect with others but yeah you know like uh as i mentioned over the last 18 months when i'm out and about or maybe at certain gatherings and i've i've had some really beautiful connections because i'm i'm able to maybe be a little more open and a little more vulnerable and and as you mentioned sort of calling that soul tribe and meet meet beautiful people so yeah it's that's that's only one of the the benefits Mm, absolutely and i love that um they teach you to drop the by being there you feel more empowered to drop into your own vulnerability i think that that's one of those masks that men in particular are taught to not wear um and it has done a complete disservice to to men everywhere by not feeling like it's okay to have their feelings and by by clamping down on that voice that they want to have and then their throat chakra gets blocked um as you mentioned and I mean, you can see all sorts of ailment, physical ailments actually manifest from that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to watch particularly a lot of men around me dropping into their more vulnerable sides and, um, and realizing that it's, it's okay that they will be, be held in that space that uh, all hell doesn't all of a sudden break loose just because, you know, you put a little something out there. And um, for me in my own practice, I, I show up. I try to show up very vulnerable in my life and I share a lot of things on this podcast that are um, very personal and I've just sort of for me learned that the more vulnerable I am, um, the more resilient I become as well and I think that's a really great new skill from um, kind of leaning into the fear around what could happen and um, yeah. Oh, totally. And and that's the irony of the more vulnerable you are, the stronger you you are. If, you know, that's it's kind of an oxymoron there, but to be mm. to be the ability for vulnerability requires a deep amount of strength. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Mm, yeah, totally. it's, it's funny you bring up the throat chakra thing too. I did um I did a really big bufo ceremony a few weeks ago. And uh, it was so I, I mentioned that that guy who I failed the test from the universe over, 
And uh, this Bufo ceremony was kind of like right at the tail end of that. And I was like, whew, I need it. I just, I need it. Please help me connect to source. I'm so lost right now. And my first, I did four rounds of um, the Bufo that day. And the first round was actually a deep connection to my voice because I realized as I came out of it and I started yelling, I started screaming, I started yodeling, I started like dropping into my voice because I had started to feel like the people that I was interested in were silencing me along the way just in those like previous two weeks. And um, I was like, I can't be silenced. I'm not meant to be silenced. If you're silencing me, then I can't, I can't continue to show up for you or for any, anyone. Um, and to, to have to own that and to get back into that vulnerability, even if me speaking my truth means that I don't get what I want, like that's okay. Um, at least it's, it's spoken and now it's, it's free. Totally. Yeah. I, I, um, I came across the meaning of the word expression the other month, but, uh, it's, it's two part exit and pressure, you know, express Mm. expression. And, um, I can totally resonate with that, but what, you know, and you can feel that when you, when you have things that are stuck inside you, that pressure, that tension builds up and just expressing your truth, your opinion, your feelings. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a difficult, difficult conversation with a friend and, you know, you mm. probably, you know, there's that anxiety for a few days thinking about it, but as soon as you share it with one another, you just, it's that huge relief. Um, and it ends up often not being, you know, you end up, uh, you know, sharing a big hug and, and, you know, obviously things end up being okay, but it's just that point of, of that tension, that pressure that builds up with, within us. And, and as, as I'm sure, you know, it's that tension is going to lead to dis-ease and then it's going to lead to, you know, physical disease eventually. And especially for, for people out there who haven't expressed themselves for many years or maybe a lifetime, you know, that's just so debilitating um and you can see it in their posture perhaps and how they carry themselves and um you know it's uh, it's maybe something i'm just thinking out loud but i'm sure it's just such a beautiful um practice is just expressing yourself you know that's why i also enjoy um kirtan as well and singing um Mm. you know a lot of this chakra activation um i don't know much about it but it's definitely like something worth checking into um i remember um it sort of ties in or ties in as well with breathing and and breath um and i remember um, a dear friend of mine um was going through relationship challenges and work challenges and drama and he went and saw a a naturopath and the Mm. naturopath investigated his breathing at the at that time and he was just breathing so shallowly just very Mm. shallow chest upper chest breathing you know the first sort of third or quarter of his of his lung capacity and they just um stopped and paused and did five minutes of deep breathing and he just felt all this tension you know i think he started almost started tearing up and his body just relaxed he was just ca- carrying so much tension and stress and anxiety you know from all these things going on in his life and you know it, it's all interrelated yeah. Absolutely. I uh, hold a mindfulness group every Friday morning that does um, holotropic breath work and a sound bath. And um, the other day I had a, a woman in my class who was really struggling with um, 
anxiety and panic that had landed her in the hospital recently. And as we we I demonstrated with her how to breathe into the belly and then the chest and then out through the mouth. Um, we sort of discovered together that she didn't know how to breathe into her belly. And something I do is sort of put my hand on the belly and I'm like, push it out, make my hand go out with your breath. And it was pretty incredible to watch how it took us a few minutes of her, like she couldn't, her, her belly would actually go in when she tried to breathe into the belly. And um, yeah, we took, we spent quite a few minutes getting her to breathe into her hand. And then I got to watch throughout the the breathwork session as someone who was known to not be able to sit still actually found peace for the next 25 minutes or so. Um, you know, to the point where she had even had like ice cubes, I think to cause sensation on her hands. I, I'm not even entirely sure what that was about, but her, her hands became removed from the ice, her legs stopped shaking and I kept watching and making sure, but she was breathing into her belly and clearly having, um, relief from things that, that she hadn't gotten to experience before. And I think we really don't, don't pay enough attention to the breath. And I bet there's a lot of people out there who, um, also don't know how to breathe. And if you're listening and you're one of them, you know, place your, place your hand on your belly, like just below your, where your rib cage ends in the middle and try to breathe in to, to push it out. Um, if you're not, taking breaths into that space, then you are missing out on quite a bit of oxygen that your body needs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, another um, piece of etymology is the, is, is the meaning behind the word inspiration, you know, in, to inspire, to inhale, to breathe, um, has, the, has the root word um, spire, which, mean, which is spirit in Latin. So, mm-hmm. so literally to breathe, to inspire, is to connect with source. Um, you know, when, I, when that was a game changer for me when I when I found that out. But it was just like, yeah, totally. You know, when you, yeah, like it's there in the word. You know, <laughs> take deep breaths and, and you know, close your eyes and connect with the universe. It's it's you know it's in the it's in the it's in the word. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, what are some of the other big things facing? facing men uh, in particular. I know there's a couple archetypes that um, men tend to fall into. Um, there was a, a book that you just recently told me about. Called, I ordered it. I have it on the kitchen table. Um, tell me about it. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to get in the, into the hero's journey as well with you um, after this. Mm. But um, the uh, yeah, so, so something that's also really fascinating out there is 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 what's called masculine archetypes there's also feminine archetypes and i've checked out checked them out and they're also also uh, really amazing and cool but um yeah so there's you know uh, a famous book a few decades ago it's called king warrior magician lover by robert that's Moore the one i ordered Douglas, Douglas Gillette. yeah yeah it's um it's it's quite um popular in in that sort of subculture and um as the the title of the book suggests, there are those four archetypes. And you know, when I read it and and thought about it, it's um, it's yeah, it's just really cool thing you can add to your your toolkit um, as a man. And um, yeah, so so 
as a as a as a man, um, you know, you can tap into each one of those on an almost daily basis, or you know, depending on different times or, or of the year or of your life or where you're at, and it's an integration of all four. So, you know, let's break them down uh, in, in a bit more detail. But you know, the first one is the warrior, and um, you know that warrior, you know, whatever comes to mind throughout the mainstream culture and movies and literature and so on. And, and it is that it's that, that masculine drive to, to penetrate the world. Um, you know, it's that sort of to harness positive aggression, um, to get up and go to conquer, you know, and it, today it manifests in so many ways and you know, it might be business. It might be, um, you know, I'm going to do this project. I'm going to create a podcast. I'm going to go and work out. I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to write a book. And, and that's warrior energy. Um, and, and, you know, there are obviously, um, fields or career paths that tap into that warrior energy the the military or um sport actually you know sports are great a great one where it's a lot of that that masculine warrior type energy um it's interesting to note with all of these archetypes there's also there's there's the the the, the, um the healthy version and then there's the shadow Mm. element as well so yeah and that's why they also need to be integrated so, for example, there's the there's the healthy warrior, um, and you know you can think of certain movies or um, characters that come to mind, maybe such as the Lord of the Rings or um, you know Harry Potter and some of these famous tales. But then there's also the shadow warrior, so someone maybe like um, you know the villains in a lot of these movies, for example, mm. are, they're tapping into their into their inner warrior for sure, but it's for destructive purposes or for their own greed or whatever it is. Um, you know, uh, yeah, for their own personal gain. So that's someone who hasn't necessarily integrated that warrior energy in a healthy way. So, you know, there's, it's, it's obviously, um, there's lots to talk about um, and there's lots of practices, but it's important to just, once you're aware of these, you can sort of see what like, oh, well, wow, you know, the last few months I've been tapping into this, or maybe, you know, I need to integrate this part a little bit in a more healthy, healthy way. So for example, the lover, um, the love is a beautiful archetype, which, um, I really enjoy, but for example, maybe just a love of the arts, a love of reading, um, hanging out with friends, with family, with kids, you know, going down to the ocean in the morning and catching that sunrise and just having that, you know, that mm. three seconds where you're just, you know, feeling your body in the sun and your skin. That's all lover energy archetype type stuff. Um, you know, romantically, you know, it's obviously a huge part of it as well. But um, the warrior, a healthy warrior is also a healthy lover because he loves the world, mm-hmm. protecting the world. He's protecting his family, his community. Um, so that's how you get out of that shadow element. That's the integration of all of mm-hmm. them. As well, I um, and then there's the magician. Uh, the magician is also, you know, they're all equally equally powerful uh the magician is is you know the modern magician might be an entrepreneur or someone it's the you know when you have an idea mm. and you create it and manif- manifest it in the world it might be a, the creation of a website or a program um it might be a situation where you change the outcome of the situation through your words and through your magic you know abracadabra mm. and your vibe your energy um it might be giving a speech or a whatever that, you know, there's so many different connotations to them, to the magician. Um, and then there's also, of course, the, um, 
the shadow element to the magician, to the lover. Um, you know, the shadow lover would be, you know, maybe the the sex addict or um, mm. the or whatever it is. Like, there's so much to talk about with all these different archetypes. Um, and then lastly is the king. So I suppose, uh, you know, as as the the king in a lot of um, mythology is the integration of finally those three archetypes. He's a warrior, mm. being a warrior, he's being a lover, he's a magician as well. You know, I think of the the pharaoh of Egypt, you know, they, they were often like the high priests. They would often go into battle with their armies. Um, mm. And, you know, even if it's purely mythological, uh, mytho- yeah, mythological, um, it's this individual, this man who's incorporated all of those archetypes and can tap into them. And, um, yeah, so once... I discovered those, you know, it's just, as you can tell, like, it's just so so much cool knowledge and such rich knowledge and information. And it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, I can tap into this or build this, or maybe I need a little more of this or that. Um, Right. Yeah, it's cool to know about. Yeah. And what a great tool too, to be able to identify when your shadows pop up with it as well. So like, you know, yeah, you can manifest anything, but are you manifesting it for good or are you harming people in the process? And like if you did a shady deal or if, you know, someone really felt betrayed and something that you did, then perhaps that's a great opportunity to look at and be like, wow, how could I have done that, shown up as a healthier magician or shown up as a healthier lover? Or um, I love the king too, because I kind of think of the the shadow side of that as like a, a Donald Trump sort of character. Uh, he has assimilated that power and he's using it to um, disrupt society. And I use air quotes here, but also really, truly disrupt society in uh, some of the worst of ways. And um, So yeah, but these are all just, I think, beautiful tools and beautiful ways of being able to deeply do, do the work on our own selves. Yeah. And, uh, how do these lead you along the hero's journey? Yeah, well, um, as uh, as as it suggests, like a lot of these archetypes pop up in stories, and mm-hmm. and uh, in myth, and and you know, obviously now film and, and literature and so on and so forth, um, and it ties in really nicely with what's called the hero's journey. So that's another really cool tool to add to your you know your toolkit is understanding the hero's journey. I'm not sure if you've just discussed it in depth to to your listeners but um again it's just this um the hero's journey perhaps was originally devised or um written about by by a man a mythologist named joseph campbell and he um he wrote the book i think it's called the hero's journey and um mm-hmm. he spent his lifetime just looking at all these myths and stories from around the world for from you know different millennia and across the oceans. So humans that didn't actually know that other humans existed and had, but what he found is that these stories shared similar themes or one similar theme in, in particular, which is called the hero's journey. Um, and you know, very quickly, it's, it's essentially the journey of a butterfly. It's um, you know, there's a, there's the protagonist who's unsure about him or herself he or she has this call to adventure at the beginning of the story, you know, uh, and whatever that may, however that may manifest in your life, a call to adventure, maybe it's a call to go traveling or a call to a certain career or to leave a relationship or 
run a marathon, whatever it is, it's a call to adventure. Then you go, you accept the call, you go on the journey, you know, you have, it's, you know, it's sort of like the, the video game analogy. You have those mini battles and you learn more about yourself and you meet friends and allies. The Lord of the Rings is a famous story, uh, hero's journey, the Lion King, all these Disney movies are essentially a hero's journey where, you know, for example, Frodo goes off, he leaves the Shire, he takes his friends, his allies, he has these mini battles, he, you know, runs away and he's sort of just sort of, but along the journey, he's building his character and he's gaining strength and knowledge and wisdom. And, you know, he'll pick up a few am- amulets along the way, which is, you know, metaphor <laughs> as well and his sword and, you know, whatever it is. Um, Harry Potter is another really cool one. And then they'll have like their final battle, you know, their fi- your final ordeal, the facing of the dragon. You know, what is the, what is your biggest fear right now? Um, that's your final, I, a final ordeal. That's your dragon that you need to face. And what happens is that the protagonist will overcome that ordeal and then return home. But like a butterfly, you know, the, the original caterpillar has now turned into a mature and beautiful butterfly um, as mm-hmm. a help driving individual and can return home with wisdom or knowledge or, you know, it's often a, uh, symbolic you know through through some sort of um you know like the holy grail or or something like that but it's um it's just a metaphor for wisdom and knowledge and you know self uh mastery or whatever it might be love joy happiness um so that's the hero's journey very briefly um but once you sort of um the whole point is that you can apply it to your own life like it's almost um and what what i a, a really beautiful teaching is that this happens in nature. It's almost the, the, the design of the universe. Um, you know, you think of mm. a seed. You know, I, I love the, some of those giant trees, you know, those redwoods or Bodhi trees or fig trees or whatever it is. And they start off as these tiny seeds and they have a call to adventure and they find themselves find themselves in the soil somehow and then they got to break through to the light and they start off as a small, small tree and then they got to fight and, you know, fight animals and birds and other trees and the storms and the wind. And then eventually they turn into these amazing trees. And another beautiful analogy is um, the a turtle that's born on a beach in a shell, oh, you know, right. as you, well, you've seen, you know, got to crack out of the shell and, you know, where do I go? And the ocean's somewhere down that way and the sun's that way. And where am I? And it's called to mm. adventure. And then it got to, got to scurry down through the beach and then, you know, obviously try and survive the ocean and make it to adulthood. You know, it's a crazy, crazy hero's journey. Um, right. So Just their first know, five minutes of life are like, oh, ah, hero's journey. Crazy. You're either staying in the game or you're not. But you know, you can obviously just apply this to, to literally probably any creature in the wild. But um, that was really cool when I realized, like, oh, it's a design of the universe, the hero's journey. So my point is that, and this is what what you know, ancient people realized is that we are on our own hero's journeys, um, whether whether you know it or not, we are, and we're at a certain stage. Maybe right now there's a, a call to adventure. Something's calling you. You know, people that we were in Peru with were on different stages of their journeys you know maybe you're in the middle of a battle or maybe you're in the middle of a battle um you know as you mentioned earlier your sister might you know she it sounds like she's in the middle of a battle right now um maybe some of us are on the journey home at the minute you know we've just come out the end of some sort of journey and and we've got some some love to share with the world 
Um, but the beautiful yeah. thing is, and, well, you know, is that it's cyclical. You know, it's it's one journey after the next, after the next. Um, I was just going to yeah, say it is exactly of- like Lord of the Rings. It's a saga. Yeah, it's a saga. It's it's life. It's life. <laughs> or Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, just keeps going. Beautiful. It just keeps going. Yeah, one journey, and then there's the next journey. You know, the next call to adventure, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mentor in um, the television and uh, Hollywood world, his name is Terrence Michael, and he's an award-winning movie producer, TV producer, and he wrote a book called Produce Yourself, and it is all about taking exactly that and applying it to be the hero of your own journey and how if you begin to look at your life as a, a Hollywood movie like Lord of the Rings um, – where you'll be able to to find your falls, your shortcomings, what you can overcome, and how to um, how to find more strength in rising to those occasions and doing your personal growth. So, uh, highly recommend everyone check out that book if you're looking for help on that path. Um, and another thing I like that you you pointed out to me when we were talking before this interview is that um, the hero's journey is also really applicable to the psychedelic journey. And I was like, oh, yep, yeah, we got to talk about psychedelics too. Um, but I, you explained it so well. Go for it. Yeah, I was just thinking about of, of um, you know travel as well as a hero's journey as well. You know, like a, mm. going going to to a, a different part of the world for the first time is a hero's journey. You know, you're sort of a call to adventure, and you're unsure, and there's going to be challenges, and you might get lost and dirty and lose your phone and you know people don't speak your yeah. language and and you know it's it's a another cool metaphor um but yeah look obviously you're the uh you know you're, you're the expert on this one but it, uh i don't have as many um well yeah look i, I have i have a little bit of experience but it's you know the psychedelic psychedelic um practice or, or or journey sitting um is also very much a hero's journey um mm-hmm. you know you sort of um especially I suppose for your first, maybe every time, but especially I suppose your first few times, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, you're, you're, you're nervous, you're anxious, you're not, you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, you hear all these stories, but it's a call to adventure. You know, something within you is calling you. It's, you know, you, you want to explore your consciousness or, or tap into something, or it's just unanswered questions. And that's that call, that inner call. And then, um, you know, I suppose you, you, you sit in ceremony and, you go on the on the adventure on the and on the ordeal and maybe things come up you know you, you i know you can um speak to it probably more than i can where you face some maybe some real demons um mm. and you have those those massive battles those internal the, 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 those battles and then um yeah the psychedelic journey is is a really beautiful match for the hero's journey isn't it and then obviously the return home uh you know as the butterfly once more with maybe some treasure or knowledge to share with Picked the world. Up a food, few jewels along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do love that, that parallel, that throughway. And I think um, depending on which plant medicine you're doing, the journeys can be so wildly different. I mean, every single time is different. Um, but I know to, to relate it to like my first ayahuasca experience, um, I did like one cup and I didn't feel anything. And I was about to give up on it and they offered a second cup and I was like, I'm here. Why not? I took a second cup and then I really got the journey I was looking for. And it, it thrust me into the depths all of a sudden confronting my soul and confronting, 
having to literally talk to my higher consciousness, which I had never done before and getting to have like an open dialogue on why am I so sad? Like, why do I just wish that I could die every day? And Ooh, you know, you get in there and you start confronting something like that. And then to have my soul be like, I didn't want to be here right now. And I was like, what? All those souls came to life. We, you know, we, we came here. We wanted to be put into this purpose. And um, I think there's a, a little bit of a lesser, lesser known, explored and understood sect that um, when we get here, it just, it feels so dissimilar to home and so unloving compared to where our soul came from that it, it can be really disruptive. Even if we came here, like I, I came here to be a really incredible healer and um, gosh, you know, part of, part of my hero's journey is walking through that depression and walking through those suicidal tendencies and having to learn to overcome those to now see the beauty in life. But Jesus, the muck I've, I've gone through to overcome some of those things. Um, a lot of it coming up in plant medicine ceremonies and yeah, getting to sit there and face it and having the, the bravery to do so and the vulnerability to sit with the tears and, um, that strength and that resilience to know that, you know, you can cry and it's going to be okay. And it may take, sometimes it takes a couple of days to put the pieces back together. Sometimes it, uh, it's okay the next day. Sometimes for people it takes a little longer, but, um, you can find that, that support. And in the end, you know, you, you get made stronger and more resilient. Totally. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's such an important part of the hero's journey. It's called the, um, sometimes it's referred to the dark night of the soul as I'm, mm. I'm sure you've heard of. And, um, or it's also referred to as the belly of the whale, um, you know, which is, which is the Pinocchio story, but it's, it's the, <laughs> it's, that, it's that the moment in the movie where you're at your, at the lowest point, you know, where, where Simba is at his lowest point or, or Harry Potter mm. or whoever it is, you know, use your example, but it's just, you know, we all go through that. Um, or if you haven't, you will. And that's just part of the curriculum, yeah. you know, full circle, um, to sit in the mud and, and um, oh man, it's just, uh, you know, I think it's a young quote where it's, you know, the, the tree with the, the highest branches also has the deepest roots. You know, it had, you have to go into the mm. under, under the, into the, under the water, you know, you have to go into those dark caves and that's where the dragon that's the dragon's layer. That's, but that's where the, the gold is going to be found and discovered. Um, mm. And that's, again, it's, it's the call to adventure. It's like, you know, we can sit on the couch and watch Netflix and have a comfortable, comfortable existence, you know, in my opinion, probably a, a mediocre, a mediocre one and, and, you know, go to our jobs and so on and so forth. But that's not what the soul is here to do. We're here to experience. We're here we're here to experience the highs and the lows. Um, and that's what, you know, it's a, a big lesson on the spiritual journey is you realize that the lows are equally as valuable as the highs, if not more so. Um, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, oh, man, I love talking about this stuff, but it's just, um, you know, obviously no one wishes to be in that situation at the time, but that's where, you know, the character is forged. Um, yeah. You know, no, no pressure, no diamonds you know, is another beautiful yeah. phrase. 
Um, and just just quickly, what I, I wanted to share with you as you were sharing that is, um, in a lot of these heroes' journey myths stories, the protagonist will have a weapon, um, and that's also a really cool metaphor. And I really encourage people to, and you know, I think of you is, um, you know, what's your weapon? What's your weapon of choice? Mm. You know, in um, in a lot of myths, the Bhagavad Gita, for example, it's the bow and arrow. And Arjuna has a, a a bow and arrow, and that's a metaphor for discipline and aiming at something and having a target. And you know, you're gonna miss the target. You're gonna you got to practice mm. daily, but eventually, you know, you become a master of the bow and arrow. And and you you know, that's a really beautiful metaphor. A very obviously a very popular one is the sword you know, which is the sort mm. of truth or discernment and, you know, cutting the bullshit in, in my life or your life or whatever it is, you know, cutting away at things, um, a shield. Um, there's so many weapons. Um, another really good one is a wand. Um, mm. A wand is, is I've read in esoteric texts, um, a metaphor for the spine and alignment and, again, chakras and um a lot of those magicians you know gandalf or merlin would have his his staff and that's um a metaphor for spiritual powers you know that erect aligned spine integrity truth um it's a beautiful metaphor as well so yeah if you you know those listening and, and yourself barrett i you know i encourage you to sort of i know you've got your your um your box of goodies probably behind you there somewhere but what is your you know i'd like to know what do, do you have a weapon like what's your weapon <laughs> uh i do um i you know i the first thing that actually came to mind as my weapon um was actually love i feel like love is my my weapon it's a beautiful repeller of negative energy it's um that which removes blockages from other people it's what i send to all my clients to do my best work um so that was like the first thing that came to mind but if we're going to talk physical objects like i've i've got metaphorically like, yeah <laughs> two crystals here sitting next to me that i've been picking up and playing with throughout the time so i think crystals are um, incredibly powerful tools um Another one that's been coming to me in the form of a uh, not physical wand or physical sword, but um, is the whistling and using the whistle as a, a weapon um, that essentially attacks energies like a sword. And um, something I learned just a, a couple months ago was how to wield that frequency in a way that took a negative energy and just sliced it and diced it until it went poof. And, um, yeah, my last, my last heroic dose of mushrooms a couple of weeks ago, um, my spirit guides came to me and were teaching me this interesting, uh, I'm going to call it a blow technique, but like it's a blowing air out of the mouth, but making a ridiculous sound. And I don't know if this is going to like fuck up everybody's ears, but it was something like a, uh, I, yeah, I can't, I can't even, I could do it in the moment and I have yet to be able to recreate it, but it made this like incredible wind flap sound that was um, sending the energies back from, from where I was, which is a, a powerful tool when it comes to battling other entities in that shamanic space. 
What's your tool, Maddie? I really, really, I've read this and really liked the tool of a saddle. And I know it sounds um, not that exciting, but uh, when obviously a, you know, to use a metaphor, when, when a, um, a warrior is charging into battle on his horse, he's, you know, he, him or her is on a saddle. And um, I think of like a meditation sort of couch um, or a little like, um, you know, seat and um, pillow. And it's, it's just, it, it's stability, you know, it's a metaphor for stability for equanimity for for calmness Mm. and and you know when life throws those storms at you which it inevitably does it's just to to be able to sit in your uh, saddle you know so sort of charging in a battle again and there's you know like sort of like a brave heart type scene or whatever and and you know you've got sort of things are getting thrown at you and coming at you or whatever but you can just stay strong in the saddle Mm. is a really beautiful metaphor that I liked oh I like that yeah yeah you you got me still thinking about my weapon and I I feel very grounded that it's love it's like the the thing I've been training to use my whole life um I have this incredible I don't know I guess I'm looking at it now as a positive but like to get my heart broken just shattered just I just always lean in so big and so open and then get so broken and um, I always find myself returning to okay well the next person's not the last person and so let's just try it all over again and um, finding that resilience with continuing to love despite the pain continuing to love even when it doesn't suit me continuing to forgive and hold love for others even if I choose not to have them around anymore there's still always love and and really learning to turn up that love frequency even when I don't feel like embodying it um it is it is the tool that I continuously get lessons on how to how to tune and how to yeah wield wow beautiful superpower yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're sort of coming to an end here, but um, where can my listeners keep up with you? Oh, Barrett, I'm not too like crazy in terms of things like that. Maybe um, probably probably just on, on the socials if anyone's interested. Uh, you know, I, as you know, I post I've, – I've started creating some cool little videos over the last couple, uh, maybe 12 months or so where I just sh- share – two or three minute little um, bits of wisdom every now and then. If anyone's you know interested, they can check those out. But uh, that's on my, on my Instagram, which is Maddie J pal. Um, but that's pretty much it really. Um, I'm not sort of out there doing too many crazy things. I'm just living my own little life. <laughs> mm. my life. Well, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the, the wisdoms that you're dropping into the universe and sharing with the world. I love watching them. Um, you, you do often express your incredible wordsmithing abilities and breaking down the words and really showcasing them and their true meaning that, that resonates so deeply. And so I really, I honor you and I honor the journey that you're on. And I'm so incredibly grateful that our paths have crossed and that we'll continue to be intertwined and continue to share, share in this journey. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing you in, in person again, hopefully in the next year or two, and 
maybe I'll come over and uh, come over and check out the West Coast there and do a little sneaky trip and and uh, and see you, see you in person. I'm really looking forward to that, my love. Yeah, same. You're welcome here anytime. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure, and thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening. I'm so grateful to have you on this journey with me. Until next time.